0: I immediately started comparing. I was almost on the verge of tears and I went upstairs and I laid in bed and I was just mad. I was hurt. I was frustrated. I'm telling myself I worked so dang hard. I was kind of praying about this. And I got such like this strong impression that came to me that said, Lindsay, If your priorities were where they should have been, this would not have stung like it is. Hey
1: there, welcome to Tater Talks, Two Bitches Talk Fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it.
2: Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited for today's conversation because we are talking to Lifting Lindsay Parker, who I have to say, Lindsay, you are one of my absolute favorite Instagram people. <laughs> I've been following you forever. And I just think you simplify things so well for people. And when it comes to the mindset stuff, especially, I think the way you share your wisdom and all of that is just really approachable. And I've learned a lot from
0: you. And I'm really excited to talk to you. You are so kind. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. And you know, when you're just like buttering me up. So now I'm even more thrilled to be here. I'm like, (laughs) awesome. Let's, let's do this. Let's have a great conversation.
2: Well, I mean every word. I really have learned a lot. Um, I have a lot of screenshots from your stories, if that's not weird. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> to <awesome>. reference later. <laughs> that's awesome. But why don't we start? Tell us a
0: little bit about yourself, how you came to be lifting Lindsay Parker. Oh, man. Okay. Well, Started as a young lady, a young girl. No, um, (laughs) I was raised in a home where it's kind of funny looking back on it now, because I was raised in a home where if you didn't run, like running was fitness. That was health. (laughs) If you weren't a runner, were you even healthy? I don't know. Like, that's just like the house that I was raised in. My dad has run. 20 plus 30 plus marathons. My sister, Ashley's like a pro Ironman. She just barely, I think, passed a hundred marathons. She's an incredible athlete. So I'm, I'm raised in this home that is all about running. And so I ran a lot, but I was not a good runner by any stretch of the imagination. And then, well, I got married and I started putting on a lot of weight and I kept running, but I was having issues running. I was having some back pains and it pretty much led to, I couldn't run anymore. And I did physical therapy for a while. And they're like, you have these three bulging discs in your low back. And it was causing so much pain that I couldn't sleep at night with anything over my toes because the pull on my toes just kind of had this cascading effect all the way up to Hmm. my low back. And it that's kind of how severe it had gotten. And so I had just kind of given up. I mean, I had tried weightlifting, but I also kind of was of the generation where I thought weights would look, make me look like a man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought it was just going to give me like bull traps. So I'm like, well, I'll lift weights, but not, not too heavy, not too aggressive. Anyway. So then I had my daughter after like years of infertility, which is a totally different story, but I finally was able to get pregnant, had my daughter, but I still had back issues and I needed to lose 30 pounds. I wanted to lose 30 pounds. I shouldn't say need, but I I did. I wanted to lose 30 pounds. I wanted to feel comfortable in my clothes again. And I just kind of had this, these really skinny legs and then a muffin top, and it was just very uncomfortable. And so My husband had at this point started tracking macros, started getting into shows. And so we started learning about macros. He finally convinced me I wasn't going to look like a man, (laughs) that I could lift weights, everything would be okay. And so I started lifting weights. And it was just, it was so funny. Like I interviewed somebody the other day and she said, My mess became my message. And I was like, Wow, that's. That's, isn't that really how it goes? It's always something messes up our life and forces us out of this comfort zone. And isn't it amazing how we resist it so much, but when you finally give in, I felt like I just, I loved it. Like to the point where I remember, I remember laying there thinking like, I'm so excited to wake up at four thirty in the morning so I can go lift weights. Like that's, and I remember thinking like, it's like Christmas Eve. Like that's how excited I was. I'm laughing, not at you, but I know that feeling. I know exactly what you feel like, yeah. Right. You've been there, you know that. Or like you'll learn something new, like a new technique with lifting. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so like, (laughs) I remember, (laughs) this is how nerdy I am. I had learned something new and I was so excited to implement it in the morning. It really was like Christmas Eve that night. And I was like, just just like fall asleep, just fall asleep. But I was so (laughs) excited. (laughs) I probably had some unrealistic expectations. Like this is the key. I'm going to put on five pounds of muscle with this technique tomorrow morning. Right. But (laughs) that's how much I fell in love with it. But the funny thing about lifting and my personal anatomy is if, if any of your listeners get the chance to see like a picture of me or whatever you you'll kind of notice some certain things with my body like I'm not there are some people when you watch them squat it's like they were born to squat Mm. they're like torso their femurs the ratio of it all plus like their just mobility at the ankles just allow them to fall into a squat and it's beautiful And I am not one of those people. And so no matter what I did, I couldn't squat by the quote unquote book. Like the Mm. book says squats should look this way. Deadlifts should look this way. All these things should look this certain way. And I'm like, why do I not look that way? And it sent me down this path where I am so glad my husband is the man he is. And he's just like, Sure, we'll save up so you can do this random couple thousand dollar education program so that you can learn how to squat better. (laughs) Bless this man, because he's like, sure. And he could also see my excitement. He could see that this was kind of as a mom, do you do you both have kids? Brooke, you've I've seen a little one in the background coming in and out. So I know you do.
1: Yes. Yes. I have an almost 10-year-old.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, sometimes I feel like as a mother, you, you can very easily lose yourself.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: You know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Very, very easily. And so this was something that I, I think my husband just watched and like, Lindsay has something I'm going to give this to her. And he just, he really did let me have wings to fly. And do what I wanted to. And as a family, we would make sacrifices and save money so that I could do this. And looking back, I'm like, man, this guy was a trooper. But do you know what? It came back to serve him well, because this led down a whole path of me starting a business, becoming a coach. And now he quit his job and he hangs out at home with me. So, so him (laughs) allowing me just to like have wings to fly, just, it really ended up benefiting him in the long run. But, but anyway, so that's kind of my background of, I started deep diving into anatomy, biomechanics program design, because I really had a few things working against me. One, I I'm not. A genetically blessed individual where I walk into the gym, I look at weights and bam, I put on muscle right where I want to, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's frustrating. So unfortunate truth for both of us. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. So I had to really study this. It didn't just come naturally. I I also had to figure out like, how can I lift in a manner that serves my body serves my goal best and will actually allow me to continue lifting weights till I'm 90. Cause that's my goal is to be that wrinkled old grandma that's in there every day. And everybody loves her because she's just not doing it for the, the look anymore. It's just to stay strong and young. Like that is my goal in life now. So that's just like how I landed here.
2: I love that. And did your back pain clear up with lifting?
0: So do you know, what's interesting. I could not, my first year of lifting, I could only lift upper body in like, even when I would try to use machines, it was so bad. I remember a leg extension machine hurting it one time. (laughs) Like that's how bad things really were. And looking back, I'm like, how in the world, I'm still trying to figure that one out, Lindsay, because how in the world was I doing leg extensions to hurt like my lower lumbar, but I do remember it tweaking it. And so it was so bad for the first year, I didn't lift lower body. I think it was around nine or 10 months, I started incorporating just body weight, body weight lunges, body weight squats, because I was thinking, I want to figure out a way to slowly, by this time, I had spent so much money and two years in therapy, and I felt like it was making it worse. So it was really good to get pregnant with Hazel because I was like, I'm done with that therapy. I'm just going to enjoy my pregnancy, eat cheese and chocolate, gain all the weight, whatever. I was kind of done. And, and I did. I did gain a lot of weight. But, um, <laughs> but after when I came back and my husband, after giving birth to Hazel, my husband finally convinced me, okay, get in the gym, just start lifting upper body. And then after 9 months I started doing just body weight and I and then I started slowly adding weight. I mean, it was so slow. But you know, right before I gave birth to Link, like the day before, I had a PR of 225 deadlift. So slowly over time I've been able to not only I feel like weights And learning how to lift properly is actually what strengthened my back to the point where I can now function way better. Once in a great while, if I do something like running where you have that impact of Mm -hmm. the feet, it just goes right up and I'll feel it in my low back. So that's something I don't do and I can't do, but I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm okay giving up the running. I'm a weirdo in my family. <laughs> but it's funny because I look different than like it served me well. Giving the, I'll say that much. It served me well giving up the running.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you said that you like you couldn't lift lower body so you started with upper body and I th- I think I know a lot of people think when they're starting out, they have to just go balls to the wall, right out the gate immediately with everything instead of looking at where they are. One of the phrases that I love that I learned from Kim Schlag, I don't know if you know her, but fitness meets you where you are. There is no level that you have to be at to start. You have to start. That's the kicker. But There are ways to like dial it way back. If you can't do any lower body, that's fine. Start with something.
0: Well, I love that you bring that up. That's actually a really good topic to talk about because how many times do you hear of a woman saying, well, I hurt my knee so I can't lift anymore?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, absolutely. Right? You still can. Like there are plenty of other muscles that are not knee extensor flexors. Like Mm -hmm. we can do that.
1: Most definitely. And I love how the way that you progressed yourself, starting with upper body and then doing what you could with what you were capable of. I think that's so important because I know for my own clients, a lot of times it's, well, I hurt my shoulder, so I can't do the leg press. It's like, no, we can do the leg press because that has no, that has nothing (laughs) to do with your shoulder. You just might not want to do the leg press. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's interesting because I've had similar, a, a similar experience that you did, Lindsay, where I had a pretty significant back injury after doing a bodybuilding show. I did a bodybuilding show and six months later, I got into a terrible car accident. And so I ended up getting a compressed disc, a herniated disc and lumbar stenosis. And so lower body was out of the equation. And it wasn't until a couple months later, I was doing upper body. I mean, I love upper body, so I'm not complaining about that. Anything upper (laughs) body put me down for, but having to start with body weight, it can be very a very humbling experience too.
0: Oh, 100%. Some of the body
2: weight stuff is killer. I have body weight, eccentric, slow, like five second eccentric push ups this block, and I am dying every time.
0: <laughs> There's no joke. Yeah. So there still is some progressions and it's going to be a lot more difficult depending on the strength. Usually with with push-ups, or it's, it's going to be a lot more difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Than mm-hmm. like a, a squat, a body weight squat, unless, of course, you're a 250 pound woman, and then you are a good like. That's where you start. Like you're not starting with the bar on your back. You have the weight on your back already,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and typically the reason why you're doing this is because you're like my feet hurt my joints are hurting, I've got to strengthen myself so that I can handle the weight all whilst I'm losing weight, right? If that's their goal to to get some body fat off as well. But the amount of pressure at their feet and their joints, man, even if you don't want to lose the weight and if you're feeling that weightlifting can be wonderful, but but just starting at, you know, body weight alone. I think can be really good. Absolutely.
2: So Lindsay, one of the things that I've heard you say in your story a couple of times is that you lost the weight and you didn't look anything like you wanted to or
0: thought you would look? I looked like a 12-year-old boy, but I think a 12-year-old boy would have had more definition. So maybe we should go back like an eight-year-old. Like, I don't know. It depends on the genetic makeup of that eight-year-old. But yeah, something like that.
2: Yeah, and I can 100% relate to that because fad dieting, ridiculous low calories aside and over cardio and all of that, I am on now a couple of years on the other end of maintaining like a over 50 pound loss. And besides like my natural curves, which I'm blessed to have some, I didn't have any muscle. I didn't have any muscle. (laughs) And so I've had to build it over the years. So can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think a lot of people are in that same boat, but maybe they're afraid to eat more, to lift heavy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Just some of the thoughts that come to me when you when you say that, because everybody kind of has their own journey, is just genetics are do play such a role. And a lot of times what we want to do, and I don't blame anybody for doing this, but a lot of times what we want to do is we want to find somebody on Instagram who we admire their look and we'll just copy and do everything that they do. And I get it. I mean, I walk in to get my haircut and I'm not going to ask for the woman who has what i consider not like <laughs> not the best hairdo to do my hair right i get it i get it but the problem with that too is that majority of the time we're looking at people who don't share our genetic makeup and who very very possibly don't know how to build muscle themselves right they maybe they genetically have a really good starting point. And then they started lifting weights and their body responds really well. And they don't even necessarily know how they built the muscle. It just, they went in there and they exerted themselves and it came. And so it's really hard sometimes when I s- see individuals who maybe genetically have nice, let's just use glutes as an example, because that's one that most women are like, I don't want glutes. They genetically have some good muscle and they may also carry body fat, higher amounts of body fat in their glutes. And then at the top of their Instagram account, they'll, they'll make claims like master glute builder. I don't know what the claims are. That was <laughs> totally on the spot. Like, I don't know. That one sounds pretty good though, right? Somebody, I'm sure somebody master has it. Yeah. Builder. I'm going to follow what they say. And then they end up showing a lot of exercises that are pretty like low quality. And sometimes I get, I, I feel just kind of bad for people who are paying, paying money for those programs. Cause I'm like, you're not going to look like them. You're not going to look like them. So there's, there's that aspect. Cause there's two parts to this. Really. There's what we do in the gym. And then there's what we do at home. Mm -hmm. Right. So all of us, all of us know these people in the gym who you're like, I see you here killing yourself every single day. I come, but you don't look any different. And maybe they don't want to. I don't know, but maybe they do. And they're talking to you and they're frustrated. Right. They go there every single day. They feel like they work really, really hard, but they're not changing. And that could be you know one of two reasons it could be that what they're doing in the gym is they're not training smart um it could also be what they're doing at home as far as like their nutritional needs so mm-hmm. as a coach and then also with my own personal experience because i have i have experience with this so one i have found that women actually don't push themselves as hard as they think that they do in the gym right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. typically women's bodies are built for marathons. They really are. Mm. And so when we want to feel like we've killed ourselves, we usually will be going more for like more fatigue and not necessarily, I'm just going to use my own verbiage here, not necessarily failure at a muscular or neurological fatigue.
2: The burn. We want the burn.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. So that extended fatigue, I'll use that one because that makes a little bit more sense probably to your audience. A lot of women are just really comfortable mentally and physically just pushing more into the extended fatigue and they get that. You know, a lot of training that is geared towards women is surrounding that. A lot of these classes that we have are surrounding that. But uh, more experienced women will notice that They'll do these classes and such, and they may see an increase in what they feel like is muscle. It it can be just kind of like a sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, which is just kind of more of like a filling up of enzymes, nutrients, glucose. And that's the pump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're used to that. And most women aren't used to lifting at more higher intensities. And even just using that verbiage of higher intensities, people think hit. Mm -hmm. Panting, sweating. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah, we're actually talking about higher intensities of just kind of working at a a muscle at a little bit more, well, I don't want to say localized, but I guess in bodybuilding, we do do more local tissue, but they're just not used to rep ranges of eight to 10 it's usually like 15 plus because we're seeking that extended fatigue. There's nothing wrong per se using a higher rep range. In fact, I'm sure somebody listening right now will be thinking to themselves if they if they do any research at all, or at least just read abstracts of research. They'll think, well, no, 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 the research has shown any rep range you can build muscle. I think it's really important to take a step back and, and look at what the research actually says when you read it, though. Because what that research is showing is, one, it's showing people who are newbies. Most research is done on newbie lifters. And if anybody has any experience at all with newbie lifters, it's that anything works (laughs) literally. So when they're like any rep range works on a newbie lifter, it's like, well, duh, did we really waste money on that study? Did we really, I mean, it has literally been shown that they can put on muscle running if they've never run before or lifted weights before. Right. And also another thing too, is usually we're looking at averages. So it's it's typically a bell curve and people will fall under both sides too. It's like, well, actually they didn't take into account that some people lost muscle mass doing those high rep ranges and some people on the other end lost muscle mass doing the really low rep ranges. So we have to be so careful in how we interpret research and not make blanket statements because some people do better With the lower rep ranges, some people do better with the higher rep ranges. It actually, it usually has to do with what they're conditioned to. And what I mean by that is the body just gets used to whatever you're doing, right? Hence, progressive overload. That is the whole theory behind progressive overload is the body gets used to it and it adapts. And so we need to progress. So if you've been, I'll have women say, well, I can't increase my weights. I'm like, well, what are your rep ranges? Well, 12 ish plus i'm like okay lower down to eight it's like whoa mind blown (laughs) the weight went up yeah or they'll say i can't increase the weights what are your rep ranges oh i've been doing about eight to ten well why don't you switch for the next six to eight weeks to doing 10 to 12 or even 12 to 15 and it's fascinating the higher volume training in new ways then they go back to the lower rep ranges and wow they're able to increase their weights Mm -hmm. right But I do think it's really important when we hear those statements that we need to look, we need to look past the abstract. And usually what people are doing is they're quoting abstract without diving any deeper. So if people say that, well, you can gain muscle at any rep range, it's usually because they didn't, they haven't worked a lot one-on-one with clients and they're just reading an abstract and not realizing that it needs to be taken down to a personal level. So going back to your whole question of why women, you know, putting on muscle and all of that, most women don't know how to train to failure. They just don't. Mm -hmm. They really, really don't. I had
2: to learn. I had to learn and I had to try and fail at failing a lot of times to actually know what it felt like. Yeah, no,
0: that's a good way to say it. This is what I tell people often. If your last three, two to three reps look the exact same speed as your first. 1 to 3 reps then you you're not even approaching effective reps right so usually I'll tell them like the contraction is going to slow down and so mm-hmm. you don't need to hit a total and complete muscular failure but if it's not slowing down that's a really 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 good indication and once in a while on Instagram I like throwing up a video of me hitting failure on the leg press or another safe Safe exercise that we can truly hit failure in because I feel like it opens people's minds to, oh, that's what it looks like. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's that aspect of why somebody's not growing because they are not actually pushing themselves or training smart, or maybe they actually just don't know. Maybe the exercises that they're choosing are pretty poor exercises, right? Somebody wants their glutes to grow a lot. All they're doing are kickbacks and like banded side things. They're probably not going to grow their glutes very, very effectively because they're only really overloading in the short position. But then anyway, so now going back over to the nutrition piece. So you have that one aspect that needs to line up in the gym. You need to be able to work hard and efficient and smart. And then when you go home, you can't eat like a bird. So that was something that I did. And I learned from experience, but also being a coach, it's really hard to get women to eat more. Definitely. Sorry, I feel like I'm rambling. I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you ask me a question 20 minutes later, you get to say like one word.
2: <laughs> no, I
1: love it. I love it.
2: I'd, I'm just absorbing it. Um, but I do think A lot of women think that anything over the bare minimum is like way too much. Anything other than the tiny little bird meals, like trying to keep everything as low calorie as possible, having the tiniest meals, you know, and then ultimately snacking all day because they're hungry. Wonder why that could be because you're not eating. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Anything over like the bare minimum they can possibly eat to just function, they think is way too much and i mean i certainly was there at one
0: point in my life right live and learn and you don't know what you don't know that's the thing so so we've got to give ourselves a bit of grace and give other people grace right because you just don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that i find and this is something that i'm a huge fan of my whiteboard i like have this whiteboard behind me right now and i really love drawing things out for my clients but this is actually one thing that I really have been drawing out a ton as I've been doing consultations with women who are reversing. Because women have this fear of, okay, I, I went into a cut, I lost the weight. Now you're telling me I need to eat at maintenance. And they have this fear of the scale moving up at all, right? Mm-hmm. It is so hard as a coach to get them to eat. And I have people who come to me, a 160 pound woman, maybe she's like five, five. And she's telling me that her, her maintenance is like 17 or 1600 calories. Now that could possibly be true. If she was like, if she didn't move at all, right. That like, if she's not moving, if she's hitting like 2000, 3000 steps. Yeah. Very well. That could be true but a lot of these women are like 10,000 steps. I'm like, okay, I know for a fact that is not your maintenance, but here's what most people don't understand is that maintenance is a range. Mm -hmm. And what happens when people are reversing is they hit and they stay at the low end of the range. Now, the problem with the very, very low end of the range is your, your weight stays the same. This is what's tricky about it. Your weight stays the same. So they think, Oh, I've hit maintenance, but They're so low, they still have all the negative effects of a calorie deficit. So they don't have any positive benefits of eating more. They are still like almost on that fence teetering, still having negative, like their body still hasn't like fully optimal, I guess you could say. Hormones are still a little bit lower because we understand, especially T3, can low lower as we get into a calorie deficit. So these women are teetering, but they're so scared to eat more, they don't even know that they could feel better. And then they and then they say things like, "Oh, see, can't build that maintenance." I'm like, "You can't build at that maintenance, at that low end maintenance. You're right." Because there's not energy availability there. So you're absolutely right. You can't build if that's where you decide it's this low-end maintenance. But they're also wondering, like, why they're having these other issues. Why they, they still feel like they're in a scarcity mindset with food. Because they actually haven't leaned into a really healthy maintenance, which would be higher. Because they're so scared of the scale moving up a little bit. So if I can get um, people to eat at mid or higher end of their maintenance, they feel a lot better. Hormones are in a really great position. They build muscle and they're not putting on excessive amounts of body fat. And so I actually find that's kind of the sweet spot. So if you can convince somebody to get there, but that's the hard thing. If you can convince them to get there, then they can actually sit there, maintain the body fat percentage And be building muscle in that sweet spot. But yeah, it it really is. It's about getting people to finally push into that uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, that can be really scary. I mean, speaking from experience as well. It is scary, but on the other side of it, I mean, it's like a whole. It's like Technicolor versus black and white. <laughs> it is. It's really cool, and I mean, I'm in a cut right now. I'm six and a half weeks in, and I cannot wait to get out.
0: <laughs> That's usually. I feel like four, four or five weeks is usually when you hit the like. Okay, this isn't fun anymore. Yep. Right. Yeah.
2: I've and I'm having a diet break at eight weeks for a couple weeks, so I can. Not have a birthday in a deficit, and then I'm gonna go back in for eight-ish weeks again. But it's so funny, like that saying is true. You really can't read the label when you're inside the jar.
0: <laughs> yes,
2: but you have to force yourself out of the jar to be able to see it, and that's hard. But it's, I think it's one of the best things you can do when it comes to the air quotes fitness space. Push into that discomfort of getting yourself out of a deficit, and yeah really experiencing it, because otherwise, how are you going to know? You can't know. I mean, we could talk about it all day long, but you can't know until you live it.
0: Exactly. It is one of those things that you have to live it. And I, for years and years, was like, nope, my maintenance is X amount. And I'm not, I know, I mean, I'm a coach. I know I've been doing (laughs) this for a while. And then I don't even know what it was that convinced me. Maybe I am doing what I'm telling other people they're doing. Maybe, just maybe, I'm sitting at the lower end. And so I usually I'm kinda of like take things to the extreme because that's just my personality. I'm like, I'm gonna do this, but it's in extreme mode, right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do it. Then I'm gonna push and I'm gonna like do the DEXAs. You know, I Mm. wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily encourage people to do DEXAs that's really expensive. And unless you know how to read them and utilize them, it's unnecessary. But I've been doing this for a while. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna see. So I'm doing DEXAs. I'm like seeing what's happening with my body fat percentage and my muscle mass as I'm pushing towards what what normally I would have been like, this is a low end build for me. It's like, is it Lindsay, or is it actually a high end maintenance? (laughs) Right. So I decided to test the waters and sure enough, I'd been doing, I was guilty. It is so, it is so easy to fall into that. I will never judge anybody for that one. It's so easy to think, but, but also I have so much experience with women coming to me saying, this is my maintenance. Well, how do you, How do you like that maintenance? Do you like that maintenance? Is that a fun maintenance? No. Why doesn't my body act like her body? Like, well, maybe it does. Have you ever thought of that? It's like, what? What do you mean? Yeah, maybe it does. Have you tested it? Well, no, because every time I increase my calories, the weight goes up. So the body fat goes up. You know for a fact that body fat percentage goes up. Oh, you don't know for a fact. Oh, we're being an emotional person here. That's okay. We're all emotional. But we've got to let go of that a little bit. The best people who can self coach that are actually successful because it's really hard are mm-hmm. people who can separate their body from who they are as an individual. Like their body says nothing about who they are as a person. And they thrive in self coaching. They also thrive in fitness.
1: Mm. Very true. Very true when they don't have that emotional attachment to the number on the scale, the way they're, you know, even the way that their clothes are fitting, they can logically take a step back and look at it from an objective point of view versus a subjective point of view. So I love everything that you're saying. And I love that we're totally nerding out about this because (laughs) I have clients that listen to this. And so if you're one of them listening, I hope you have a pen and paper and take notes. That way, when we check in, we can recap.
0: (laughs) It it takes a village, right? Sometimes they have to hear it from like five people. That's what my kids are like. I'm like, maybe the neighbor (laughs) says it to you. like text (laughs) the neighbor, tell him to take a bath.
2: Yeah. can't listen to mom. It's so true though, because like half the things that I talk about and preach now are things that I heard for a long time. I mean, like my husband called me out on my BS for a lot of years. And for some reason, when I heard a certain person say it in a certain way, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) I'm sorry it wasn't him. (laughs) But like, (laughs) you know, you can hear it a hundred different ways from a hundred different people. And eventually it starts to sink
0: in somehow, how, I don't know, but (laughs) you know what I think it is. It's time and experience. I was listening to somebody talk about this one time that sometimes time and experience carves out places in our hearts where answers can then be placed. But if you Mm. don't have this, this spot for like this, this carved out place for an answer to be placed in, then it's just going to like, hit the wall and just fall flat. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like experience, real experience carves that out. And now we have a place to put the information. So I think a lot of times these women, it finally is like, I have had experience doing everything else, but that, and that carves out the spot for the answer to be placed. I, Mm -hmm. I really do. So it's Mm -hmm. not that your husband, (laughs) (laughs) it's not that he was wrong. It's that the time and experience hadn't, hadn't led you to be receptive to the, I've experienced that a million times. Mm -hmm. I really
2: have. Yeah. So you've talked about quality exercises and some exercises are just not great in terms of. Building a specific muscle. Like, we see things online all the time where it's like, do this and tone this. And it's just not how it works. You mean, you look at the human body and how it moves, and you're kind of cock your head like, that's not actually how (laughs) it goes. That's not how it moves. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of people are bit in the butt by this because I know there's this one person I know, and I'm not going to mention any names, but the way she talks about herself is her genetics make her a hard gainer, essentially. Mm -hmm. But then she shares the things she's doing and the exercises are just nonsensical. So can you speak to that a little bit? Like how? I mean, obviously having a coach to guide you, a well-rounded, qualified coach would be wonderful, but that's a luxury. So how do you kind of pick through? How do you know if something is like kind of a nonsense exercise or if it's actually geared towards building the muscle that you want
0: to build? Yeah. So that's a really, 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 really good question because we are inundated with information, right? Somebody was telling me the other day, they, they related it to food because they said, we have a surplus of calories and a deficit of n- nutrients. Mm. And she mm. said, isn't it the same with information right now? We have a surplus of information and a deficit of wisdom. I love that. And I was like, right? Doesn't that just resonate? (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: Oh my gosh. That is brilliant. I love that.
0: It just resonates because it is so true. You don't have to look far on TikTok to see that one. So (laughs) that is a great question. How can we kind of look through the BS? Well, there's a few things that I'll share. If somebody says, this is for triceps and it burns and that's all they ever say about the movement. That's kind mm-hmm. of a sign, not that they're, it's bad or they're bad or their information necessarily is quote unquote bad. It's just, if, if it's all about, this is fun and this burns, that's actually a really good sign that maybe they don't know anything more. Right. If that's mm-hmm. all they can ever say about, about an exercise. So let me give you some really good guidance on that. I'm a firm believer that one, you have to know why you're working out. Some people literally just want to work out to work out. They want to work out to feel good. If that's the case, then I, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you go in the gym and what's a crazy one that I see? Oh, do you know one that I see people take dumbbells and they lean over and their arms are really bent and they kind of do this back flapping thing. Have you seen that one a lot? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've I've been, I've been curious about that one too. That one I'm like, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I don't care if somebody does it, if their only goal is to get into the gym and just to move. And that's some people's goal. And so I'm just proud, that, proud of them that they're there, mm-hmm. that they're moving, that they're keeping their body moving. Now, as soon as somebody starts saying, I want to change this, I want to build this, then I say, okay, okay, you're leaving the world of working out. As soon as the goal becomes more specific, you're now entering the world of training. And as such, your training needs to be more specific. So just going into the gym and doing like high kicks and jumps and all of that, it's not going to cut it. In fact, you'll probably want to cut that stuff out. So if you're saying like, I really want to build my glutes, I really want to build my delts. Those are the two that I'm referencing because those are the two that most women come to me saying that they really want to build. Most of them aren't like, I really want to build my Terry's. (laughs) right (laughs) it's like okay or traps I really want to build my traps (laughs) yeah traps I just really want those to be huge
2: in my ears
0: do you know it was funny I was watching a guy at the I don't normally watch people at the gym I just kind of get in and do my own thing but I I did notice the guy's traps they were really really big And I think it's really important that we discuss this because a lot of women look at guys like that. And I'm talking about very unusually big. And I think it's important to address this because women are like, well, I don't want to look like him. He has really, really big traps. Well, do you know why he has really, really big traps? Because he's taken gear. Mm -hmm. And depending on the type of gear he's taking, you have far more androgen receptors in your delts and your traps. And so if he doesn't know how to choose wise exercises for his delts, he's going to end up getting massively huge traps and little delts, which was his problem because he was on gear that was already kind of specific to that region. And maybe he was choosing lateral raises for his medial delts, but how he initiated was with like a shrug or something like that. Right. So Mm -hmm. now you have the gear, the shrug. Yeah. He's going to get really big traps and very small delts. And that was kind of his problem. And I think he's a competitor. So that's going to, that's going to be a really big problem for him when he steps up on stage. So a lot of these women, you don't need to worry about those man traps. You're not going to get those man traps. (laughs) You really aren't. Unless you are totally botching up a lot of your delt movements.
2: Like a lot of them <laughs> yeah.
0: consistently over time. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And you're really, really, really loading that. But, anyways, back to the question about how do we kind of know? So, when we are looking for more specific because we really want hypertrophy, there's a few things. One, we've got to leave the world of sensation behind. And that includes the whole obsession with mind muscle connection. Okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of people really, really, really obsess about that. And it is kind of interesting, some of the studies on it too, because they're like, well, people tend to feel a greater connection with their biceps than they do their legs, right? So they have this, mm-hmm. like, they have quote unquote greater mind muscle connection with their biceps than they do with their legs. But once again, look at the study. How was it done? The biceps were mainly overloaded in a mid short position where you do get a lot of sensation. The leg stuff was overloaded in a lengthened position where we don't get a lot of sensation. And so I feel like a lot of people are just going by feelings too much in the gym versus like actually how the body functions, which is why on my Instagram account, I try to teach how the body functions so much, because if you follow me, it's pretty quick to call BS mm-hmm. when you start looking around on Instagram, because you're like, wait, 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 but that's not how the body works. That's how like it looks on a coloring page of the anatomy. But Lindsay's explained to me how the glutes work. And so that's really why I try to do as much education so that it empowers people to make better decisions for themselves when they're going into the gym, when they have you know more specific goals in mind and then uh, hopefully get better results if they're eating well and bringing the intensity levels to to the gym. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say one other thing. When it comes to hypertrophy work, we really do want more stability, not less. And the reason why is because a lot of energy is going to be used on the peripherals if we don't have a lot of stability. So on Instagram the other day, I saw a girl that I I really like her, but she did a post showing a unilateral RDL where Mm -hmm. the back leg was coming up and down. And then she showed one where where it was more staggered stance. So it was still unilateral to some degree, but the back foot was providing more stability because it was a staggered stance and it was on the floor. And she Mm -hmm. said, which one is quote unquote better? And I was like, oh, this is is a new take for her. I've never really seen her dive into exercise selection before. So I'm intrigued and I swipe over and she's like, neither, you choose the one you want. And I said, well, that's not true though. That's not true because you've taken all the nuance out. If the person doesn't care about getting a specific look and they just wanna get into the gym and move their body, then you are 100% absolutely right, it doesn't matter. If the person is using an RDL because they want to work the hamstrings in a lengthened position and they really want to see glutes get built also through like a mid range, then it is going to be better for that person to have a staggered stance because they're going to be able to have more stability. More stability will actually allow the the muscles that we want to work. We can use more energy to work those muscles at a higher intensity. Mm -hmm. If somebody really wants hypertrophy in their hamstrings and glutes, and they're doing a unilateral RDL with low stability, they're going to be able to move less, but the overall goal isn't necessarily to move more. They're moving. I should say less tension is being taken on by the hamstrings and glutes. So therefore it's a poor exercise for that person and their goal, right? So exercise always comes down to the person and their goal and what they want. But Mm -hmm. if you want hypertrophy, stability is going to be your best friend because we can create more tension on the muscle that we're trying to work versus more energy being displaced over the entire body, just trying to keep the body stable as it moves through space. Right? And
2: focus too, mental focus if you're trying not to fall over. Exactly.
0: Yeah. The nervous system itself is this is going to just be more taxing in ways that don't attribute to the goal, which is to build muscle there. So everything always comes down to what does the individual want?
2: Yeah. I'm glad you said that about when you have a specific goal, you have to get more specific, I think. And this certainly was the case for me back in the day, where I had all these things that I wanted. And like, literally nothing I was doing was actually lining up with that. And I didn't know any better. And like you said earlier, I didn't know what I didn't know. But I think that's one of the big missing pieces for a lot of people. And one thing I like to say as you said, too, is I don't care what you do, literally at all. But I do want you to understand why you're doing it. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. that takes a little bit of digging for some people. And that's one of the downs of the internet nowadays is that there's, like you said, so much information and so little wisdom. And it can be tough. But I think poking around a little bit and just making sure the actions line up with the goals. that's huge.
0: Yeah, 100%. And the food.
2: Make sure the food lines up with the goals.
0: (laughs) Yeah. you're. No, you're absolutely right. It it needs to line up with the goals. And it also needs to line up with, a lot of it has to do too with how advanced the individual is, right? Mm -hmm. So if I have a beginner come into me and want to work with me, and they see that I worry about the nuance a lot, they will want to focus on that a lot. But the thing is, is as a beginner, we just need to work on coordination. We need to work on internal stability, right? The number one goal for a beginner in my book is, can you stabilize the joint? Like if you're doing a bicep curl, can you stabilize the shoulder joint? Can you stabilize the the elbow joint? I don't care about anything else like that. You really haven't earned the right to worry about anything else in my, in my book. Mm -hmm. And it's just like baby, it's baby steps. So my child isn't going to go from rolling around on the floor to running. She's going to have to learn to roll onto her back. Then she's going to have to learn to crawl. And then she's going to have to learn to take these slower steps. And so with newbie lifters, that's the focus. The focus isn't, should I take creatine? You don't need to worry about that. And how wonderful that you don't need to worry about that just yet. Mm-hmm. Like you, There's so much you don't need to worry about. It takes a lot of pressure off. It should. I hope so.
1: Yeah. Oh, most definitely. I mean, I am a huge fan of you need to learn how to nail down the basics before you start focusing on the specifics.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Majoring 100%. in the majors, not majoring in the minors until you get to a position where you're consistent enough and experienced enough and to some level intuitive enough
0: mm-hmm. to be able
2: to to look into all the minors and and see if even they matter for you, because a lot of them don't.
0: Yeah, some of them don't. And I'll just kind of use protein optimizing muscle protein synthesis as one of those, right? Yeah. So is it a thing? Yeah. Do we have studies showing that if you space it out appropriately, you can squeeze out a little bit more muscle? Yes. Look, a newbie is already going to squeeze out way more muscle than a more advanced person. So don't worry about that right now. Like Mm -hmm. don't get lost in the weeds, like just focus on the getting protein in for the day. And then as you become more advanced, if you even need to worry about putting on more muscle, Like I have some women who, who really that's their goal. They want, they've been doing this for five plus years. They're now to the point where they want to optimize all these tiny little boxes so that they can really squeeze out more. Or I have women who are coming to me and in their sixties want to put on more muscle or want to maintain. And we have to, as you age, when it comes to protein, our absorption isn't as, good and that's typically why we have to give older individuals more protein not less um, and muscle protein synthesis is going to matter a little bit more for that population as well but you have to you have to start somewhere even them I'm, i don't want them obsessed about it just yet even them yeah. we're like no 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 we're starting at the basics you really have to build a foundation. Too many people in fitness forget that they need to build a foundation and they build a house and it comes crumbling down. And then they wonder why you didn't build a foundation. You didn't build a foundation of habits and mindset. So you had no foundation to build all of this other stuff on. Mm -hmm. I love
2: that. I would love to end on talking about confidence because this is something I've heard you talking about on multiple occasions, Lindsay, and I love what you have to say about it. And if I can paraphrase something I heard you say on another podcast, Sober Bodybuilders podcast, another one of my favorites, is that a lot of people see these transformations of women who in the first picture, the quote unquote before, you know, they're maybe overweight they're unhappy and then in the second one they've changed a lot physically and people think they've found themselves they've found their confidence they're happy now they're all good but what they don't realize is that it that transformation was not the cause of the self-confidence being built it was them making decisions like assertive decision making in their own life and continuing to show up for themselves so can you speak to that a little bit And I think you just nailed it.
0: I think you just (laughs) nailed it. You said it better than I did.
2: (laughs) Well, then I guess my question would be, how do you know that, that that's where the confidence comes from and not in the look at me, I'm Jack now and Mm. I'm great. Or is this just one of those things like we were saying earlier about maintenance, you just kind of have to experience it and believe it and then, you know,
0: well, I do think sometimes it does. Confidence does come from the look. The problem is, is as soon as the look is gone, then the confidence is gone, right? So we can usually Mm -hmm. tell relatively quickly where where the confidence comes from. If you're following somebody and any tiny little waver of the scale sets them into an emotional whatever, then yeah, you kind of know, oh, this person, their self is founded on the way that they look. know it is kind of funny being in this industry because here I am I almost feel like a hypocrite in some ways because here I am posting a picture of myself flexing and then on you listen to me on a podcast and I say well it's not about the look right it's like so what is it about Lindsay because here you're just like posting pictures of you flexing all the time and then on your podcast you're saying it's not about the look like which one do we believe right and For most of the women that I work with, I think the most powerful testimonials have always, always, always been it's not about the look. And they'll say that it's not about the look. Do I enjoy the look? Yeah, sure. I think it's fun. I enjoy building my biceps just as much as a runner enjoys crossing um, the finish line. Right. I don't in my mind there's no difference. Like she enjoys crossing that finish line. Man, when I ran a marathon, the one marathon I ran, I think that they were literally holding that finish line up still because I was the last one crossing. So it's like <laughs> there's there's a Lindsay Parker still running out there. We'll keep we'll keep it up for her kind of thing, right? I didn't enjoy that finish line, but I really enjoy the I really enjoy feeling strong. And then to see that manifestation of my inner self feeling strong coming through in what I see in the mirror, it feels, it feels great. I'm not going to lie. It feels great and it's fun. It is so much fun, but my life has other foundations That keep this one in check. I think that that's really important. If the only foundation you have in your life, if the only value you hold dear is health and body, which is great, that is a wonderful value. But if it's the only one, or if if it's trumping all the others, like if you can't be kind to your family because you're upset because you feel a little fluffy that day and so the rest of the world needs to hear about it, there's a problem. There's a huge problem. Now for me personally, I I have spiritual beliefs that I feel like keep me keep me grounded in what really, really, really matters. I have other beliefs as far as like what I want to be remembered, i I think about this a lot. and I know it may sound really, really weird, but I actually think about like my funeral. I think about like a legacy. I think about my children and my friends and my neighbors and my family. I think about like, what am I giving? And that keeps me really, really grounded in what really, really matters, right? So, I think it's really important for us to have those checks and balances in our lives. I remember, I am not beyond comparing my physique to somebody else. I'm not beyond that at all. I'm I'm a human being and I have flaws. And I remember there was this one time, this just shows you how much of a human being I am. I talk about these things in aspiration of becoming it not because i've reached it right i think that that's really important for people to understand because uh, i have a podcast and and i talk about these things too and and it really is like i aspire to be this person i don't feel like i'm fully there yet but i'm making i'm on the path so there was this time when i felt like i had worked so hard and i was really excited about my progress i had done a fitness photo shoot And the photographer had sent me my pictures, but in middle of my pictures, he accidentally sent me a few pictures of the woman that he had taken pictures of after. And you can imagine where this is going. Oh,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I immediately started comparing Mm -hmm. and I was almost, some people may think this is stupid, but when you work really, really hard for something and you come in second or third, or maybe 10th, 12th, 15th, it hurts. It stings. It's, yeah. And in my mind, I'm coming in 20th and, and I'm just go to comparison mode. And I was almost on the verge of tears and I went upstairs and I laid in bed and I was just mad i was hurt i was frustrated i'm telling myself i work so dang hard i'm so frustrated and i was kind of praying about this i don't think god cares about my muscle size but i <laughs> i care about i know he cares about my feelings and i was i was feeling really frustrated and i got such like this strong impression that came to me that said lindsay If your priorities were where they should have been, this would not have stung like it is. Oh, wow. wow! And it was a huge wake-up call. That's powerful. It was so powerful for me. And I had to step back. It was very humbling to look and say, oof, I'm letting this become too big. And if you let one aspect of your life become too big... So what aspects are being pushed on the back burner? What aspects are actually bigger and more important that I've pushed on the back burner? And I had to take a step back and really ask myself, like, how am I showing up for my family? How am I showing Mm -hmm. up for my friends and my community? And how did I let this get so big? And it was a very humbling experience. And I I really do, after working with a lot of women, after going through this myself, I 100% do believe that for most women, when they do the before and after pictures, they don't want to hear things like, well, you look good in both. That's great. I'm sure they do look good in both. I'm sure they do. Or you need to love yourself in both. What if they already do love themselves in both? Mm -hmm. And what if What if really what they're trying to show is, look, guys, how much I grew on the inside. You know, look how for the maybe for the first time in my life, it's a mother who had lost herself and she wasn't prioritizing herself and she was drowning. And for her, this before and after isn't just look at my body, but it's like, look, I finally started thinking about myself. I finally put the mask on myself first. Mm -hmm. And this is a huge accomplishment for her. Or maybe it's somebody else saying, for the first time in my life, I was able to make commitments to myself and I followed through. I'm pretty proud of myself. And I wish more people would look at before and afters in that light that maybe this person did love themselves. But now they're trying to show you an internal change transformation, that they can't, because you didn't see the internal before and after. And so sometimes it does bother me how people respond on before and afters, because I'm like, this person wants to be celebrated. And I think, unless we know for a fact that they were mistreating themselves and doing this in the wrong way, and they're very, very unhealthy, I think that we should hold off our judgment. And I think we should give them the benefit of the doubt that they're trying to show an internal growth. And that's where this newfound internal love comes from is not from the way that they look, but the fact that they finally are finding integrity with themselves and the values they hold dear. Mm,
1: I love that. and you you got me almost tearing up in a sense because <laughs> I remember being that mom who lost herself, you know, having a small child and, not really knowing, you know, not having anything for me. And I'm sure that there's, there are moms listening to this going, oh, that sounds familiar. And I think it's so important that people really recognize that, you know, when you say things like, oh, well, you look great in both pictures. It's You want to be celebrated, not just for the amazing physical transformation you made, but also like the mental and spiritual journey you go on with fitness and nutrition, because that is what it is, is it is a journey and Mm -hmm. you're reflecting your strength, not just in your body, but also how you've grown as a person.
0: Mm -hmm. 100%. You just nailed it.
1: 100%. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone? that is looking to increase their confidence and don't know where to start?
0: I really do believe that confidence is an internal thing, right? Mm -hmm. 100%. Because when we base it off of anything outside of ourselves, I'm talking about anything. You base it off of the way your husband looks at you. The way your kids view you. Well, these are your things that are totally out of your control. Mm-hmm. They, they really it's, are.
2: They can go poof at any yes. moment. Yep.
0: At any moment. As soon as you need people to give you compliments for you to feel good internally, that is a huge red flag that you have given up your power. And so if a compliment can make you, and I'm not saying that compliments are bad, they, they do feel good, but they they don't last. They don't have any lasting effect as soon as we have to have. And that's kind of the scary thing about social media, this constant validation of somebody's following me. They liked it. It feels good, but it's fake. It's a facade. It actually doesn't have any reflection of who you are and how you feel about you, right? So as soon as you give somebody power to build you up, you also give them power to take you down in a minute. So I'm a huge fan of, I don't want to give up my power. Like my power has to come from inside. And that's actually where I feel like fitness can be used as this confidence building journey, But it always comes back to integrity. Integrity is doing what you say you're going to do. And Mm -hmm. you have to build integrity inside yourself. If you say you're going to do something, but you don't do it, then you don't believe yourself. You have no integrity with yourself. So I truly believe that confidence comes from within, it comes from always learning and actually striving to be better. So the people who are like the crabs in the barrel, in the bucket, trying to pull you down, say, no, 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 you're fine the way you are. I actually think like, I think real confidence comes from testing your boundaries. I don't want to be fine. I want to be amazing. I want to be wonderful. I want to love myself. I want to have confidence. Confidence only comes from pushing your boundaries, experiencing new things and failing, and being okay failing. So all of these things, but you have to put yourself out there. You will not, and, and that's confidence, and, and I would actually say real self-love, I think, comes together. Mm-hmm. Right? We're okay with being wrong. We're okay with people seeing all sides of ourselves and choosing to like us or hate us. you got to be okay yeah. with it. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't think you can have confidence without self-love, really. I mean, I don't think those two are mutually exclusive at all. Mm
0: -hmm. But that comes from just like self-discovery that I've had over the past two years. I actually think accepting all sides of ourselves, accepting Mm -hmm. the flaws. I mean, I did a podcast with my husband a few months ago where we were open about an addiction that he's struggling with. And it was a beautiful moment for him to kind of accept this, I struggle with this. And yet through my struggle, I'm still lovable. I still have worth. And I can be open about my struggles. And some people will understand, some people won't, but it doesn't matter. I I can't hide behind any masks anymore. And so I feel like when we can really look inside of ourselves and say, you know, I'm not very good at X, Y, and Z, but I still love myself. I still accept myself. And as part of accepting and loving is I want to improve that. I want to be better. And that's okay. But just not hiding. We have pieces of ourselves we want to hide for one reason or another. Usually it comes down to shame. Shame. There's so much shame built around it. So I want to hide that. But when you actually embrace all pieces of yourself, even the things, the areas that want to hide, it's this beautiful, freeing thing.
1: That's very powerful. And I think it's something that so many people need to hear because I think that when, especially women, when we start fitness journeys, it's very easy to try to browbeat ourselves into change. And I think it's just, it's not necessarily browbeating. I feel like it's more comparing yourself to societal norms. I think that that can really crush people's confidence, that being an external motivator to that. I think that in order to really create lasting change, building that confidence from within, like you said, is going to be so transformative for so many people. So thank you so much for talking about that today.
0: Yeah, I hope it came across in a, in a way that it helps somebody out there.
2: Oh, I have no doubt that it will. What a powerful note to end on! I really appreciate your time today, Lindsay. Thank you so much for hanging with us for a while. Tell everybody where they can find you, follow you. Be strong. Membership newsletter, Instagram,
0: podcast. Yeah, I have a podcast more than fitness. I have Instagram lifting lindsay is my is my handle and I had this girl message me the other day and she said when I first started this was so this is a brag a total like brag moment but this like <laughs> made me cry when she was like when I first started following you I thought lifting was weights and now I look at it as Oh my goodness, you're lifting me up in like health and fitness but Aww. spirituality and I just like I cried cuz I was like when I chose that name that's what I wanted. I really wanted I wanted to be a place where I could uplift people. And so Aww. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry." But um <sighs> that was the best. So, I love that. You
2: really do though. You do. I'm not just trying to flatter you, but <laughs> I really appreciate everything you share there, even talking about poop. And
0: <laughs> That was the latest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get everything. You get to find out about my poop and my children's <laughs> lives and lifting weights. And, and Pop-Tarts. And-, and Pop-Tarts. We cover it all. I love it.
2: <laughs> well, thank you so much again for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, to everybody else. Have a great day and we'll talk to you later. Same time, same place. We love you. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, to bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Nice. Nice. <laughs>